Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister. I have a master's in theology. But the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone that I've known for a long time. We won't say how long, because it's been a long time. We traveled in a van together with Net Ministries. We led retreats together. He's a writer, and he knows how to make a great cocktail. It's Isaac Huss. Hello. Welcome, Isaac. Hi, Julia. How are you today? Doing great. It's it's Doing summer great. in Minneapolis and St. Paul, the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Uh, the winters are so terrible here that you have to enjoy the summers twice as much, and I'm trying to do that. Absolutely. But isn't it a little bit humid or not so much? I remember it being a little humid when we were in Minnesota. It does get terribly humid, yes. <laughs> but still better than the crazy winters, yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, for sure. It keeps everything moist, and that's how we can have such you know, green <laughs> pastures and Thank trees you. and all the lakes and everything else. And the lakes, yes. Very, very lush out there in Minnesota from what I remember. Well, um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm born and raised here in Minnesota. I uh, lived here pretty much my entire life. Um, I uh, have done everything uh, education-wise from Catholic grade school to public high school to Catholic university. Um, I did study philosophy and Catholic studies. Uh, at the undergraduate level, and then I went on to um, do some teaching of my own at the middle school and high school levels, uh, and I did teach uh, scripture for five years during that time. Um, since then, I've I've uh, made a, a shift professionally towards communications and marketing. I'm working for a Catholic parish, uh, doing that, and. Um, like you mentioned, I, I do enjoy a good cocktail, and, and um, <laughs> as a part of that passion, I decided it was probably at least economically uh, worth figuring out how to make it myself. Um, right. And, and so I enjoy doing that, and, and sometimes people will even pay me to make them cocktails, which is even more economically sound. Um, Ooh. Do you have like a mixologist or is it just like a, ha like a hobby thing that you do? Do you actually have like a, have you taken classes? You know, I, I do have a certificate from the Minnesota school of bartending, nice. uh, which nice. anybody who's been there will tell you that it's, it's about as far from mixology as you can possibly get. Um, oh. <laughs> they do teach you some standard things, um, but they also put a lot of emphasis on the speed of making drinks. Um, and if you want yeah. to make really, you know, high end things, obviously, if you're making it for a group and you're getting paid to do it, you, you can't be slow. But, um, you know, you really can't compromise the quality um, while you're doing it either. So, yeah, I, as much as I did learn from that certificate, you know, there's a, there was even a lot of unlearning uh, to, to oh, make yeah. some nicer <laughs> drinks. Yeah. We have time right now in quarantine. It's not really so much about the yeah, speed exactly. right now. Um, and the passage that you picked, um, interestingly enough, kind of relates to alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I worked at wineries. I enjoy a good cocktail. So I think this is going to be a good scripture verse for the two of us to discuss. Yeah. Um, so 
if you wouldn't mind, uh, you have picked John. Uh, actually, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend of ours, mutual friend, Father Bresnahan, and prior to the two of you, no one that I've interviewed or spoken with had picked a gospel, and then both of you picked from John's gospel. So I thought that was interesting that my net friends are into John's gospel. But um, you've picked John's uh, uh, chapter 2, 1 through 11, The Wedding at Cana. So when you are ready, if you wouldn't mind reading that passage for us. On the third day, there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the steward of the feast. So they took it. When the steward of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when men have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Awesome. Okay, so I'm just um, going to give a little bit of background about John's gospel, and I actually did that when I talked with Father in the previous episode. But just as a reminder, John was an apostle, so John the evangelist that's writing was also an apostle of Jesus. He was writing for a Jewish Christian audience, so he uses a lot of symbols and imagery and Jewish customs that um, Jewish Christians would be interested in and familiar with, and I think that there's certainly a lot of that here that we can talk about. Um, this is also Jesus's first miracle. And it's interesting to me that only John includes this miracle. So we can probably get into that and talk about that. And then obviously a lot of his, um, Jesus's miracles are about healing people, but this is very different. So I can't <laughs> wait to talk to you about, <laughs> about why this is his first miracle. But first I want to ask you, why did you pick this passage initially? Yeah, I've always been fascinated by the story. Um, and um i do i i try to pray the rosary and and um particularly my favorite ones are probably the the luminous mysteries that are the newest ones that that we we received mm -hmm. from pope john paul ii and i always just enjoy yeah just sort of lingering over the story and men and meditating on it and uh, so it's it's always been so, just a story that I've liked, um, and and yet at the same time, even even though it's very familiar to me and I've heard it, you know, dozens of times, if not more, and I've I've spent a lot of time on it. Even now, it just it still feels very new. It, there's so much richness to it. It's kind of a whim, whimsical story, and um, and and also there's a lot of things in my life uh, throughout that that I've had to sort of learn and relearn. I mean, we talk about relearning cocktails. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but <laughs> the, the, the Christian faith, I feel like is something that 
as much as you learn new things, you almost have to to teach yourself and to be mm. taught to unlearn things that you that you've picked up along the way, mm. uh, you, even in formal educational settings. Um, and so I think I think that's the beauty of actually studying scripture too is that we sometimes we 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 have theologies or ideologies or or what have you that that have sort of become part of our faith life um and yet at the same time we need to we need to remember that um you know if our faith isn't rooted in the gospel and in in sacred scripture what are we doing Hmm. Uh, amen i agree with all of that i i love that um so this gospel is also very like a very Catholic gospel. I mm. feel like when I was looking at it and making my little notes, um, obviously we have the water into wine mm. as his first miracle. And when I teach this with my students, I kind of ask them, I'm like, why do you think Jesus does this as his first miracle? He could have done anything yeah. to prove that he was, and he's not even ready to do it. And um, But they seem to get that it's the fact that this book ends the Last Supper, and you mentioned the Luminous Mysteries, and both of these are two of the Luminous Mysteries. So it's interesting to me that like even they can kind of pick up on like, well, he does this, you know, the water to wine, because then later it's going to be his wine to blood at the Last Supper. So very Eucharistic, which is very Catholic. We got Mary, which is Catholic. So this is a very Catholic passage, lots to kind of dive mm-hmm. into. Um, okay, so where do you want to start? Yeah, well, maybe I'll just piggyback off of what something you just said, um, which was, you know, this is his first miracle. And um, I think what's one, one thing that's fascinating, even just about thinking about Jesus in general, but this story in particular is how much how much was this perfectly ordained? You know, his life was perfectly ordained from the beginning. Here's exactly how it's going to go. I'm God. I get to decide. And how much of it is, well, I also, I'm a man. And so, you know, you, you kind of have uh, A, other people involved in your life mm-hmm. uh, and things that maybe, um, you know, catch you off guard insofar as you're a human being. Um, so the fact that, yes, this is his first miracle, but he does make it seem as if this was not supposed to be right. his first miracle and it's a very human uh, it's a very human thing to yeah. do too like i guess that's a good point that um you know why this instead of healing well yes it parallels the eucharist but then also it just shows how his human side so i think that that's interesting for you to bring up that this is something that shows his divinity as well as his humanity at the same time um so yeah i always forget too that because he's a human being um and from all we can tell, a good-natured human being mm-hmm. and a smart human being, and, and people like him, mm-hmm. he had to have been funny. He had to have had a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And I and and when you when you read the scripture and when you read his life with that in mind, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this this isn't quite as dry and as mm-hmm. you know intellectually you know um drab as maybe it felt when i first heard it in you know seventh grade epiphany catholic school you know and uh no offense to my teachers back then but (laughs) i'm sure they were these stories didn't exactly jump off the page (laughs) to me and i didn't exactly run home telling all of my family members about you know the, the 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 bible story that i learned in school but um you know it it just Looking at it with that in mind, I mean, this this is this is kind of a funny interchange that he has, both with his with his mom, but also with these 
you know, mostly unassuming random people that he's talking to. Yeah, that's a really good point. I remember being at Catholic U and I didn't really drink until I was 21. I was a good girl. And I, but like, (laughs) yeah, thank you. Um, But like my, this would be a passage that, you know, all of my partier friends would reference and be like, come on, Julia, like (laughs) Jesus' first miracle was like water into wine. He wants to have a good time. And it just made me think of as you were speaking that he, you know, he was a fun guy. And like, this is a very, like, you know, the interactions are very natural. He's at a wedding. It's a feast. He wants to continue the party. And that's like the, I don't know, the proof that they would always try to encourage me with too. (laughs) Like Jesus wants you to have a good time. Uh, but obviously this passage is yeah. much more than that. Yeah, well, so I think on the one hand, you know, as you say that, I'm like, oh, you know, I I, I probably have made that same excuse to <laughs> or, or, or use that same line to somebody like, oh, don't worry about how much I drink. <laughs> Jesus likes it, you know, or, or don't, you know, don't go home now. Keep the party going, you know, whatever. And And on the one hand, it's sort of cliched. And on the other hand, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that this that's exactly what is happening in it this story. It does say, so not, like, not in, that we, until they have drunk freely. That's what it says. <laughs> yeah. he, he he wasn't like, oh, you know, I would, but you, some of you right. <laughs> could probably stop. Right. You know, he doesn't say that. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it is a funny story. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the relationships because you brought up, like, his interaction with Mary, obviously, is really important. And then his inter, um, interaction with the servers. Um, do you want to start yeah. with Mary, since you're you're a big fan of of Mary? Yeah, of course. Okay, so what do you make of his interaction with Mary here in this passage? Well, again, if if you read it just as is, you know, there there's still a lot um, left to the imagination, um, and so you know, it helps to just know that he loves his mother and he has a great relationship with her. Like the rest of the story sort of fleshes that out beyond this passage so knowing that like the way it's presented it's almost as if you know woman right you know what what what's this why are you talking to me why are you doing this like you know you know the thing i'm god right you know don't bother me with this um but if you know that he loves his mother and he has a a really rich relationship with her uh and that you know she she's with him till the end and and that, you know, even at, in his agony on the cross, he's thinking about how she's going to be taken care of. You know, all of those things, you you carry that into these words and all of a sudden it, it's not this, you know, glib, uh, offensive interaction. It's, it's, it's a loving reaction. And yes, it's maybe irreverent, um, perhaps, uh, at worst. But um, yeah, just the sense of, Okay, you know, what are you bugging me for? Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do? And then I'll, I always, you know, so there's this whole thing of like, okay, it's not like he just made another a bottle or two or even a case of wine. Like he literally made, mm-hmm. you know, if we do if we do some quick math here. I'm not a math person, you know, but it's a lot of gallons. A hundred yeah. <laughs> gallons yeah. of wine uh, after everybody had already drunk freely, it's almost as if he was like throwing it back at her. Like, you want some more wine? I'll make some more wine. That's a good you know? point. It'll be the best wine you've ever tasted. It's going to be more than you're ever going to need. And you're going to be wondering what we're going to do with all this wine once we're all <laughs> done. And it's because you made me do this miracle before it was my time. You know? Yeah. Uh, obviously, again, it's in jest. But so, so I just think it's a fun little interaction. Um, and it, and it just speaks to, 
and especially if you if you understand you know the the, the Jewish sense of humor too it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a dark it's kind of an irreverent thing it's kind of a you know s- sort of giving it back to each other um yeah there's like that stereotype yeah i just think it's so much fun sorry there's this like stereotype of of um you know jewish women and i'm not for stereotypes but I think we see it a little bit here, you know, her kind of like nudging him and being like, oh, my son, you know, the the stereotype is that Jewish women are just so doting on their sons. And I think you see a little bit of that here. And then, as you said, I like how you said that when he does listen to her, um, he does so in abundance. And so as Catholics, you know, we believe that we can go to Mary and to pray to her. um, And some people struggle a little bit with that. um, But here, I think we see a good example of her as an inter- intercessor, like that, you know, sh- she can direct us to him. Like if we have a need and a want, like those waiters did, and we go to her, then he, she can make it happen because she'll go to him and he'll, he'll answer in abundance with the prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And I know, yeah, I know you absolutely. know that, but I just wanted to, that when I teach again, this passage, that's another thing we talk about the Eucharistic um, signs here, but then um, we also talk about how Mary is clearly an intercessor here, and that kind of explains our relationship with her as Catholics. I think, and I, you know, again, a lot of it's left up to the imagination, mm-hmm. but there's this sense here that Mary knew that the wine failed. Mm-hmm. You know, that she was paying attention to these things, mm-hmm. that she cared about it. That you know, it doesn't say, oh, somebody was nagging her about it. Yeah. You know, that no. She probably was paying attention and she, you know, they knew the, the couple that was, that was married. Uh, that's why we, they were there mm-hmm. and they cared about it. And they wanted to have a good time with the couple. And so Mary cares about these people and Mary knows what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she's not, you know, she didn't say, oh, you know, offer it up, you guys. Right. <laughs> no, she's like, let's, let's keep the party rolling. And that's, that's something that Mary's into and not just her fun loving son. Yeah. You know? That's a good point too. I've always kind of struggled. And um, I remember when we were traveling with on net, you always had a very strong devotion to Mary. And that's something that I've kind of struggled with in my life. I feel like I've gotten into be a much better uh, place in my relationship with her, but it's because I was always like, Oh, she was this quiet, meek, like, yes, girl. And that's not me. And I don't identify with that. But if I look at her the way that you just described you know, that she is fun, that she is, you know, has a sense of humor too, and that she wants to be attentive and listen to people and to to help them, you know, that's a Mary that I can get behind, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've come to kind of grow in my relationship with her. And I think this is a good example of, uh, but I do want to talk about the woman thing though, <laughs> because that's something Let's that's, that's about always it. something that like, it's very jarring, I think, maybe to our culture, but I have a footnote, and I love a footnote um, about it. And in my Bible, I have the New American Translation. It does say something that this was an acceptable way of speaking back then. To say woman, it was like an acceptable address, apparently, back then. So it's jarring for us. but It wasn't an epithet. Right. Like, it's it's jarring for us, I think, today, but... Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? The way that he speaks to her like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, when when I first heard this, however many times, all every time it was like, yeah, it's just a weird thing to say, if nothing yeah. else. <laughs> Why not mom right. or, you know, Mary? I don't know what you would say. Um, but, you know, so again, it's Jesus Christ, Lord of the universe. So he's got at least something up his sleeve whenever he's talking. Um, and I, I guess, you know, after sort of going through all of the 
all of my education formally and informally, I see that now as um, a tie back to the first woman mm. of Eve, mm-hmm. that, that this is a, that, 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 you know, Jesus is, um, is, you know, you can say honoring her with that title. And, mm. and, and I think that's true, but I think also just simply recognizing a, that, that Mary has, uh, in her own right, in her own, um, you know, predestined plan from God, uh, fulfilled in in uh, in woman, well, how what Eve failed to do in her disobedience, Mary fulfills in her obedience. Um, but yeah, you know, so you talk too about the you know the the sort of Jewish stereotype of woman. I mean, there there is something, you know, whether it's stereotypical or or um, you know, in terms of, um, in terms of sim- symbolism, mm-hmm. you know, we all have ideas and, 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 uh, and experiences and, and there's historical, uh, meaning in woman. Uh, and so, you know, all of, I think that's caught up in this calling her that, I mean, even calling her Mary in some ways, you know, um, obviously would be correct, but it would sort of be limiting mm-hmm. in our understanding of how we, we can see these interactions. Yeah, that's well said. I Does that make totally, sense? Um, I like that connection to Eve. That makes total sense to me. And I, I like that connection. Um, I was reading again in my footnotes that John in his gospel, I guess, doesn't ever refer to Mary as Mary, but always as the mother yeah. of God, which I didn't realize. Um, you know, Luke obviously refers to her as the mother of Jesus. Yeah. But it's interesting because, I mean, John would have known Mary. Jesus has that interaction with both of them at the at the cross, which you mentioned earlier. Um, so I don't know. That was just something that I made note of. I'm like, that is interesting that he never refers to her as Mary, but the mother, maybe because of that interaction that they have at the cross. I don't know if you want to speak to yeah. that. But and, if, and is it right that John never refers to himself as John? That's true. Yeah, he always. always <laughs> at the, as a beloved disciple yeah. or what have you. I love teaching that when I when I teach this gospel to my students because I have them kind of guess. I'm like, so who do you think the beloved? And they're kind of like, I don't know. And then one of them gets it and they're like, oh, man, is he talking about himself? And I'm like, yep, you know, <laughs> great. Um so what else would you like to be talked about the kind of Eucharistic aspect and uh, the Marian aspect? Um, did you want to speak about his interaction with the servers or what else are you pulling from this, this passage? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that I, I think we could talk about, but maybe uh, again, just hearkening back to something that you said, um, in the, the overabundance of, mm-hmm. of this miracle and of this gift and, I think there is something humorous about it. Um, and at the same time, this is really something that I've sort of had to learn better about God and his love and Jesus in the way that um, he reveals himself here that, you know, there's, there is, there is so much in, in the Catholic faith and tradition of, of a denial of self and, of you know, take up your cross and follow me. And, and, you know, throughout this veil of tears, we're just sort of, trudging towards our end goal which is heaven and everything's going to suck along the way you know <laughs> uh and, and there's and there's there's plenty of richness and and truth to that certainly uh and and, and in penitence and in denial of self and all the rest and yet at the same time again if you read the gospels you know jesus uh is clear as day when he says you know there is a time to there's a time to fast and there's a time to feast mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, that, that's a paraphrase, but um, that's something that I've had to learn that, um, that I'm, not, I'm not being a good Catholic when I'm sad, or, you know, mm-hmm. or, or being, you know, uh, self-denying mm-hmm. um, any more than I'm being a good Catholic when I'm, when I'm enjoying his gifts, God's gifts for me and, uh, and, and, the, and the great relationships that I share um, with other people. Um, and when, uh, you know, that there has to be a balance between the yeah. two things, first and foremost, that we're not always feasting, we're not always fasting, that there has to be both. And specifically that God wants to love us in both of those ways. So as much as he does want to love us in, you know, in our struggles and our hardships in, in our, in our intentional self denials, in our, uh, taking on the things that happen to us that we don't necessarily choose. We choose um, to embrace the struggles and the sufferings um, like Jesus did. Um, but then also to, to, see, to see how God loves us even in the simplest things. You know, the old adage is God loves us and the proof is that he made beer. <laughs> uh, and, and, and here's, and you know, here's the wine counterpart. God loves us and the truth and, and the proof is there's wine. And, and in fact, he loves, he loves wine himself and he makes more of it. I love in this story. Yeah. I love, it. I think you make a really good point. I think I also can relate that for so long. And I mean, you know, when we had our, our net year, I think, you know, a lot of us struggled because we wanted to be such good Catholics. We wanted to be so serious and prayerful <laughs> And that I don't think we had as much fun, you know, like, I think that I've also learned later in my life that it's about balance, that, yes, I need, mm-hmm. there are times for me to suffer. And that's, you know, we're hearkening to Ecclesiastes, like the the time for everything appointed. Um, like, I, there is a time for me to be suffering and sacrificing, but I also, it's okay, like, to have fun. <laughs> so I, th- I like yeah. that you made that point. So I want to um, kind of tie this into, like, how can we what can we pull from this? And you've mentioned some, some great things, but like thinking about today where we're at with quarantine in 2020, um, maybe what hope can we get from this? What message can we get from this that applies to us today? What would you say? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think a lot about this when I'm, when I'm thinking sort of big picture vocation wise, you know, what does God want for me, et cetera. And I also, you know, it's, it's, it's a good reminder to think about on a, on a day-to-day basis, too, that um, when we ask, you know, when we pray the Our Father, we ask, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Um, in some ways, that understates it. Like, even the prayer itself, the Greek is richer. It's, it's give us, you know, the, the super abundant bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, in, in that sense that, Okay, so in my vocation and what God wants for my entire life and in what God wants today, he's not going, you know, sometimes we're worried, like, is he going to really make, you know, am I going to be happy following him? Am I going to be, could I be happier doing this, that, or the other thing mm-hmm. that doesn't include him? Um, and so, so, the, so, then, so then you get, you, you, your, you know, your Catholic sensibility, your Christian sensibilities. Oh, yes, he will provide you know he'll, he'll you'll be happy enough yeah. you know doing whatever <laughs> yeah well that's that's also not true you so god in his you know in his love doesn't simply want to like oh you'll have enough don't worry he, no he wants to give you an overabundance of his love mm-hmm. of of his grace he wants you to be fulfilled not just 
oh, as much as you could be if you're doing something else with your life or following some other god or ideology or what have you. But no, that 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 is a a way of limiting, you know, what God actually does want in our lives. Uh, and even so, through this, will we make it through? You know, this this weird time of 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 pandemic and of you know, strife and, and, and what have you. Well, yes, you know, we, we trust that God will bring us through and not to say there aren't hardships and certainly, you know, illness and, and even death is a possibility along the way, but, um, that, that, that God doesn't simply want to, Oh, you'll, you'll have enough to get it through bare knuck, you know, white knuckling it. No, that, that, that God wants to give you even more than, than your heart, uh, knows it wants. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really important message for right now because we are in this time of kind of fasting from one of the fun things that we maybe um, usually would do and we're having to sacrifice in order for the health and safety of others. But you're right that even in this time, in this moment, he's still loving us and there's still abundance that he wants to give us. Um, you know, and there's mm-hmm. hope in that, that, that eventually, and in all this off, off obviously points to heaven. So if not now, we mentioned earlier, like kind of like the we're trudging through this life. Um, yeah. But there are moments that we can enjoy and then ultimately look forward to, you know, in heaven, the ultimate hope. So. And dare I say that perhaps even this COVID time, this hardship that we've been given, perhaps even now God wants to love us and to reveal his love in a new way and in a greater way than we than we would have been able to understand and receive had everything been fine Mm -hmm. you know how many times have we had a quiet moment when we would be you know whether it be a saturday night when we're out with our friends typically or or when you know even something as simple as oh i would like to turn on a game uh, but there is no sports for three months or however long it was. Mm-hmm. So we have these quiet moments when we would typically be preoccupied with other things and, and you know, frankly, good things. Yeah. Um, but we have we have space now in our lives uh, that that God wants to fill us uh, and fill and, and, and fill with with his love and his goodness that frankly is even greater than, you know, a Minnesota Twins victory as much as <laughs> I enjoy that. This must be a, a special kind of sacrifice. I didn't think about I'm not a sports person. So this I understand that this must be a, a huge sacrifice. But <laughs> this is that was really well. It's different for sure. Yeah, that was really well said. I think that that image of the the um, the jars that he fills, um, you know, maybe right now, like kind of what you were saying makes me think of right now as our time to be emptied so that he can fill us again. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is like the open jar moment, maybe. The wine has failed yeah. to a certain extent. Oh, metaphoric. Preach. Yes. So now we need what new, do we want? New, new, better wine. Yes. Oh. And not just the crappy wine nope. that's been served to us. Ooh, I love that. You, I could take that metaphor all day. I love that. Um, is there anything else you wanted to kind of? We have to kind of wrap up a little bit here, but is there anything else you wanted to say either in general or about this passage? Um, yeah, maybe just just a final reflection on what the servants must have been thinking and, and the, you know, the steward uh, and, even the, and even the bridegroom. I mean, there's, there's all these different characters and, and some of them knew exactly who Jesus was and, and knew, mm-hmm. okay, his mom's up to something. And, and some of them were probably just, ah, I just got hired for this thing. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> just finished my Minnesota school of bar. I just finished my Cana <laughs> school of winemaking. Uh, just trying to make a buck here. Uh, what's this? What's with why? How do we have all this wine all of a sudden? You know, mm-hmm. and that that could that could have been the beginning of you know that person's uh, understanding of 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 who's right in front of them. Yeah, that's a really good observation. I I agree. Can you imagine that that's like your first interaction with Jesus? That would definitely I don't know. You'd be like, oh, this guy is a fun guy, kind of like we were saying. Isaac, thank you so much for doing this. I think you gave us a lot to think about, and this was a great passage to discuss with you. Um, I am on social media, so I usually at the end just say that people can find me on Instagram at 7 Mile Chats um, if they want to talk to me about scripture, and also on Twitter at Miss Druckley, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1 if you want to talk to me on Twitter. You don't have to give out your social media, but would you like people to find you on social media? Please do. It's uh isaac i-s-a-a-c dunk d-u-n-k just like a basketball dunk yeah is there anything else you want to plug do you have any like cocktail videos or something coming up (laughs) yeah so twitter and instagram are both isaac dunk and um, particularly on instagram i've posted at least a video where i make i teach people how to make a cocktail um it was a, a series of uh that i did during quarantine uh called quarantine cocktails um, and, uh, you can find some drinks that I'll even make and just, um, snap a photo. Um, and there's, there's even a, a profile of me coming out in the national Catholic register that Ooh. if you really want to know more about why I like cocktails and I'm also a Catholic at the same time, <laughs> check it out. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I, definitely check it out that's awesome well thanks again for for being here and um if you want to come back yeah. we can... thanks for having me julia yeah, absolutely bye everybody